Before we start today's show, we just want to let you know that this episode of Fintech Insider is brought to you by MyTech Systems, a global leader in identity verification technology. With over 80 million users and trusted by the world's largest banks for KYC onboarding and re-verification, MyTech provides the highest assurance levels available, building trust in today's digital world. See how at MyTechSystems.com. That's M-I-T-E-K, MyTech. Hey, everyone. Before we get to today's content, I wanted to tell you about a brand new podcast from the 11FS Podcast Network, the FinTech Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Eric Fulweiler, Chief Marketing Officer of 11FS. Over the last couple months, I've been speaking to heads of marketing from the world's leading FinTech and financial service brands, Monzo, Revolut, MasterCard, Zero, Starling, Lemonade, and many more. We heard their insights and ideas on how they build brand and drive growth for their businesses, and now we can bring them to you. So if you're into FinTech, FS, marketing, which I assume you are, uh, please check out our brand new podcast. Search for FinTech Marketing Podcast on any podcast platform. Subscribe, share, leave us a review, and please do let us know your thoughts. Appreciate the support. Welcome to FinTech Insider Interviews. I'm Sam Mall. It's my pleasure to be joined by Nikki Gulimas, who's the COO at Nova Credit. Nikki, how you doing? Uh, doing well, thank you. Just uh, dusted off my 35th bowl of uh, the same lentil dish that I eat every day now. <laughs> so doing well. Oh, Lord. And you're in Brooklyn, right? That's right. How about All you? All right. I am hanging out in Jacksonville, Florida. I miss the food in New York. So desperately bad. I'm not used to not traveling. And I live in Jacksonville, Florida. So like the highlight of food is Applebee's. And I'm not that I can go out to Applebee's right now. So, But I am absolutely dying for like some good Korean barbecue or some Mongolian food or just, you know, mm -hmm. what I can't get down here. Yeah, it's and funny. I think in these, uh, in these times of crisis, I, I, I think I was on the phone with my grandma yesterday and she was telling me, you know, Nikki, I've become a lot more gluttonous. Um, I'm baking more, <laughs> I'm eating more. And, and, um, yeah, I think everyone is kind of looking after themselves and, um, becoming a little bit more animalistic in these times too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I was actually because you're in Brooklyn, and obviously we're reading a lot about uh, New York as a hotspot. And uh, I read on Twitter constantly that all you hear in the background are the noise of ambulances and such. And by the way, you have one going on right now. Um, <laughs> so you know we're recording this, folks. Yeah, we live in an interesting times. Um, but thank you for joining us, uh, Nova Credit and, and Nikki. You know what's funny about you and I? I don't remember how we met. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think that was probably you know the first two years of the company where I, where I stalked you um, and, and tried uh, to get okay. in front of you, and then uh, at some point you acquiesced, and so here we are. Yeah, it's kind of funny, right? I'm usually stalk <laughs> people like crazy. Um, it's funny though, Nova Credit. You guys have been in the news quite a bit lately, so why don't you give us an overview of who Nova Credit is, what y'all do, what your mission is. Sure, happy to. So, so Nova Credit is a cross-border credit bureau. Uh, what that means in English is that we provide international credit reports to lenders, to property managers, to telco companies, um, so that they can effectively serve immigrants like me or, or newcomers to the States uh, who they'd otherwise reject. Um, and our, our mission is to inspire and facilitate the flow of human diversity. So my favorite question for company founders and co-founders is, what sparked the idea? Hmm. Um, 
so for, for, for my co-founders and I, um, we were all newcomers to the States. Um, and so this started as a, as a class project in grad school being like, oh, you know, why is it so hard for us to get a student loan or for us to rent an apartment here, for us to get a credit card, for us to get a cell phone plan? And, and the more we started to dig in, the, the, the bigger we started to realize um, that this problem was impacting many, many more millions of people than, than, than just those around us, frankly, um, and, and also that there was data that could solve it. Um, and so we, we sort of ended up uh, totally naively uh, deciding to build a cross-border credit bureau to effectively redress the information asymmetry that, that keeps um, all of these folks outside of the credit system. And, and prior to coming over the States, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I stalked you on LinkedIn, as we nice. do. You were, doing, you were doing quite a bit in Africa, right? You did some work in Uganda. You did some work yeah, in Yeah, I did a mix of things. I worked in, um, I worked in uh, consulting, um, doing a lot of work for distressed European retail banks post-crisis, which was a, a good baptism of fire. And then I also worked in the international development space um, in a number of places, um, including, you're right, Uganda and Ethiopia. Um, so kind of, yeah, the, the, the cross-border dynamics of this and the international corporation ones are, are ones that um, align with a lot of my passions and, and worldview. Yeah, I think it's a, I, you know, the best type of companies are founded by a problem that the founders actually encountered, right? It's, it's, it's built around what real life actually, how real life impacted them and solving problems for yourself um, or, or for family members or people you know. That's always like the greatest story. And that's um, Jack Dorsey's whole story about Square, right? And that mm. friend who was an artist and he couldn't take credit card payments. Um, hopefully that's a true story. Come on, Jack, don't, don't disappoint me. I'm really hoping <laughs> that's true. But I do find those to be the best ones, um, you know, for, for having a passion for the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, I think so. Although, you know, I, I hope that, and I, and I think a lot of our long-term vision for our company um, is oriented around um, building building something that is truly global and applies to, to all people. And so um, I think um, I think it's personal experience is important. And then I think like a real discipline around need finding and um, empathy with your underlying um, consumer base is super important. Yeah, I think empathy period right now, right? Mm. Um, empathy always, it's, it's a character trait that um is near and dear to me um you know you look at the times that we're living through right now i mean empathy is just um, i put it almost at the top of the charts right now mm. for a character trait that i'd like to see businesses have um and and embrace so but but those life experiences too i just find fascinating so um again stalking you on linkedin you <laughs> were you were going to stanford right you're working on your grad studies mm-hmm. that's right and was your co-founder attending stanford too that's right. Yep. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, he, he w at some point was like, Hey, Nikki, want to do this class project with me? Um, it's, it's for a bunch of, uh, we could do some startup uh, research ideas. Um, and at the time I said, uh, no, Misha, I'm actually busy right now. Um, but then I was like, Oh, you know what? This sounds fun. Um, that was about sort of, you know, I think, I think in Silicon Valley and in the Bay area in particular, you know, you do have so many people who are obsessed with startups and I just was not one of them. Wow. <laughs> I, um, I had uh, no real interest in that space, but I, I really liked working um, with Nisha. We'd done a bunch of projects together. We were good friends. Um, I liked the problem space. And then we started digging into it more. And I just, um, I fell in love. Um, I think, um, I think uh, this is a massive problem. Um, and I think building this type of financial infrastructure can frankly unlock uh, a lot of the challenges that retail banking has had, where, where retail banking is frankly the only industry in the world that hasn't really globalized and where access to financial services from one country to another is radically different and radically unfair. 
Um, so it's kind of been a, a whirlwind journey for me since then. Do you remember how long it took the two of you to drive down to this? I'm sure you had a bunch of yellow stickies on a wall or something like that. <laughs> we still have a lot of stickies on a wall. Um, <laughs> our, our team is obsessed with, with post-its. It, we, it seems to be uh, something that we, we stop well, very often. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the, the core decisions we had in the early days was, um, you know, if you believe that our data um, unlocks this segment, then should you just become a lender yourself and, and serve mm-hmm. these consumers directly? And, and, you know, we started the business because of a consumer pain point, one that we'd experienced ourselves. Um, but then, you know, going from, from that realization to thinking, okay, how do we create systemic change rather than just being a point solution? How do we work across the industry? Um, and so designing this sort of uh, B2B infrastructure that we've built today um, was was what we spent you know the first few months really iterating on. And then to to iterate to where you're really focused on the underbanked, unbanked immigrants um, within the U.S. That was was that a, a kernel of an idea from day one with this, or did you? Okay, that makes all the sense in the world based on your background, also with your experience. Um, when you think about that. Um, whether that be from the UK or for, from the work you're doing in Africa. What about your co-founder? Uh, my co-founder had a, um, a finance background. So uh, Misha worked in um, at Goldman Sachs and then private equity. Um, so uh, brings a lot of that like structured and systems level thinking and, and had worked um, had worked on a couple of credit bureau pieces as well. Yeah, I think your background, because you worked at Bain for a couple of years, you, you worked um, on, on the, what was it, North 40 Ventures? You did a little bit of work on the venture mm. side. So that's a, that's a, in all honesty, if you were to kind of carve a path for a, a founder in, in the fintech space, that's not a bad between the two of you. That's a nice combination. Yeah, we've been lucky. No, uh, it, it works well so far. Um, you're, you're, you're kindly glossing over the fact that none of us have had any real fintech experience before I, or really directly yeah, really worked nice. for any financial services. But yeah. it's a great background otherwise, you know, just perfect. Yeah, <laughs> overrated. No, it really isn't. I think, uh, and actually... I think that's um, a, an interesting point because normally somewhere in that founder mix, you had somebody that came out of the industry, you know? So you know, good for y'all, actually, when you think about that. And um, it has to be eye-opening when you see, when you look under the, the bonnet or you look under the hood and you go, oh my God, this is how this works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 that should terrify people, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I made the mistake of rereading a business plan that we'd written in the early days for our company. And it's just like, you know, it was like, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Um, you know, there's there's a mix there of um, just, you know, radical assumptions that I now know so much more about. Um, you know, sort of year yeah. one, we were going to serve the entire U.S. market. Year two, we go global and, you know, year three, retire. Um, but, yeah. uh, but, but also just, you know, you realize just how much you learn and, and how much further you've come um, based on uh, no longer having those assumptions. Well, we, there's been quite a bit of, of um, discussion and talk within the fintech space over the past, I don't know, five, six years around the, the underbanked or underserved population with the U.S. And mm-hmm. when you look even drill down even further to the underbanked immigrant population in the U.S., why do you, why do you see this as such a crucial area of focus for Nova Credit? I mean, I, d- I don't think it's for Nova Credit. I, th- I think it's an industry challenge where Amen. immigrants Amen. account for 55% of U.S. population growth. Uh, and I think that's set to grow to something like 80% by 2050. Um, and so serving that segment, you know, may seem like, like, you know, an opportunistic area of investment today, but it's going to become a business core priority in the long term. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, while you were talking, I just went and looked. 
um, the, the immigrant population in the U.S. also, um, one in 10 immigrant workers in the U.S. owns a business. That's, that's a hell of a stat, right? That yeah. has started a business in the U.S. Um, and small business, I mean, we talk about this constantly at, at 11FS and even within mm. our industry, how that small business is really the, the engine of the U.S. economy. And, mm. and so great area to focus in on. When, when you look at that and even more interesting, maybe say over the past three years <laughs> in our uh, Sure, we'll stick with interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's challenges, right? I mean, it, it is. It's stuff that you, um, that does impact a business. I mean, it's, I think it's safe to say that um, the political environment and the, the social environment of a country impacts it. But we'd have the same conversation if you launch this business in, in the UK, for example, with, mm. with Brexit. I mean, this, this isn't unique per se, to the U.S. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, so well, especially let, let's, let's talk about the underbaked and, and people in general in the U.S. If they don't have easy access to credit, how does that impact them? I mean, I think it's fairly obvious, but I think you've seen some some actual, you know, real use cases and interviews that you've done with your clients and customers. Sure. And, and I think it's like it's a three-step process. So step one is like, do you have credit data? Yes or no. And then step two, if you don't have a credit data, that then you don't have the access to credit. And then step three as a result of that is, you know, I think, frankly, folks are just unable to begin their journey in the US. Um, so they're unable mm-hmm. to have the same stable financial footing that others take for, for granted. And, and you know, what credit does is, I think it's Milton Friedman, you know, credit accelerates the passage of time, enables you to make long-term investments um, in your life, uh, which is often, you know, the type of thing that people are thinking about a lot when they're migrating. You know, migration is a, is a, is a point of time of a lot of difference. Um, and so to not have that support and that ability to invest long-term in your education, in your life, um, in different areas becomes really challenging. Yeah, I love that quote that you just said, right? So it's I hope it's Milton I better Google now. <laughs> no, no, I love that. I was thinking of it, you know, in the U.S. especially, but I mean, it is global, but especially in the U.S., credit is a force multiplier. It mm. just is. Access to credit is. Um, and, you know, especially in the in the current environment, um, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this, um, toward the, the back end, I think it's the 30th of March, um, when we're recording this and, you know, we've got roughly, I don't know, 3.3 billion, um, folks in unemployment right now in the U S small businesses across the, um, the country and, and the globe are being impacted by the, the current, um, uh, situation that we're, we're facing with the coronavirus. Um, do you have anywhere in your business plan of a global pandemic? And its impact on the access to credit, and and yeah. you know what, I wouldn't be surprised if for going forward with VCs and when you're going to to go for capital, that that's a question that comes up. Yeah, probably for sure. should. Contingency yeah. planning should be everything now, right? Contingency and disaster planning is is always important, and and actually. Um, you know, I think, and this is more of a sort of side statement. Um, I, th- I think the thing that I found so sort of uh, disappointing um, in, adv- in advance of this pandemic is, you know, just how much there had been forecasts that had seen this, whether it's scientists uh, in China specifically predicting this type of outbreak, or, you know, frankly, Bill Gates's big TED talk about it. But that yeah. is a, a side note. So, um, you know, whether or not we should have prepared for a pandemic, you know, is actually something I, I, I asked myself, because, you know, as a company, we, we have had, we have done a lot of preparation around um, uh, sort of like, 
sort of black swan extreme scenarios, um, mm-hmm. pa- particularly just given the sensitivity of the data that we carry. We do carry and store personally identifiable information. And so you know, as part of our information security, we've, we've done some uh, actually really, uh, really fun simulations where it's, you know, uh, one of, someone from the company gets captured and is uh, ransomed and how do you react to it? And, and those are kind of, you know, fun and you can sort of laugh yeah. at them in the moment. But um, I think that the whole thing with uh, crises and disasters is, is less about knowing what you would do, but it's more about building the muscle around how would how, how do you start being able to talk about reacting? How do you have some of that foundational strength as a, as a team and as a leadership team? And it's something that, that we're sort of going back to now around, um, okay, like we, we don't yet have big decisions to make on any front, but how will we continue to be flexible and have that mental agility? Yeah. And I find it, you know, I mean, we've obviously had these conversations within the, you know, um, confines of 11FS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we react as a consultancy firm? How do we, um, how do we engage with potential customers in our existing customer base? And I know that has to be the same within, you know, the confines of Nova Credit when you're talking about, you know, um, a, a consumer's access to credit when, you know, you do have a level of unemployment that we're seeing right now in the credit history. And even, you know, to your point about um, when an event like this does happen, and for example, we talk about having a stimulus check go out to individuals. Um, so in the U.S., we're having uh, checks go out, depending upon your income level, I believe it's under 75000 that you'll get a $1,200 check. Um, and yes, I did say check for everybody outside the borders of the U.S. Um, issuing a paper check to an individual and thinking about getting that into the system. So if you're underbanked <laughs> and underserved, how, you know, how are we managing that? And it's fascinating even seeing folks like, like Jack Dorsey get on Twitter uh, and and be incredibly vocal on LinkedIn and other channels. Uh, mm. I think Stripe and Square are saying this, right? We, we can be solution providers for this. We can't wait that long in order to get this, you know, the, the money into individuals' hands. Um, and those are unique challenges, like you said. But we, I don't think and I, I would say this probably goes across every industry, has been thought through. And I would guess going forward, it'll be a question they're asking when you're trying to raise money. I would ask it if I was a hmm. DC. You know, how do you have that built in? And it's incredibly important. Now, you've gone through the capital raise size of this. That's a Isn't that a fun process, Nikki? Do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a moment of levity for everybody to talk about that. Um, but that's, that's an incredibly important experience to go through. And it probably isn't the same for any, um, you know, company founder to have gone through. Um, but in, in, in February, you announced a $50 million uh, uh, dollar raise um, round of funding for you. Um, how was that process? And good timing, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, no, we're, we're actually all quitting our jobs and uh, starting a hedge fund. Um, Excellent. Yeah, no, uh, wish, wish we could take credit for that. We, we certainly, um, it turns out, on, on many fronts, we're incredibly fortunate. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were super lucky. Uh, we we had, had been able to bring on an awesome set of investors and partners to us. Um, you know, our, our lead investor is Kleiner Perkins, and I think in particular, um, they they provide through 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 Ilya and Monica there are a lot of product leadership, which um, just given everything that's going on, there's more opportunity for us to invest in product and invest in, in, in the strategy for the long term. And so um, really, really great to have those voices involved. And then um, a lot of financial services expertise with this new investor, um, Canopy, and, and then an, um, our existing investor 
investors uh, reinvested, which was terrific as well. So um, we've been we've been super fortunate there. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll come back and talk a little bit about that. But having a, a name like Kleiner Perkins behind you, um, it just it, it gives you a, a level of credibility, you know, that that, mm. that you walk in with that, that, um, you know, obviously your, your, your business plans, your books, your, your team has gone through quite a bit of due diligence and that's a good mm-hmm. thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but having that, having the backing of an organization like that, it really does. Um, I'll give you credit. You should feel great about that. Right. That you actually <laughs> do have a business model. You're focused on something that, that there isn't a significant need at scale. Mm. Um, so the opportunity is there. So I'm giving you a virtual pat on the back all the way from Jacksonville Thank Florida, you. to Brooklyn. There you <laughs> go. So should, I think you should be incredibly happy about that. So 50 million um, in that round. Um, how, you know, what's the idea of, of using that funding for the company? Where are you going to focus in on? Um, a lot of it for us is is deepening our data offering. So that means mm-hmm. how do we cover every single immigrant or newcomer around the world? That means integrating more wow. countries. So right now we're we're actually we we just we're getting the Dominican Republic, um, the Philippines, and number number of other countries live. Um, and then it's also you know deepening the type of data that we offer. So how do we create thicker files for for for, for folks that who maybe we already have some data on, but not enough to get them approved for the credit products that they need. And so we're starting to invest a little bit um, in alternative data. And then for us, it's obviously it's about you know partnerships. Um, so um, actually, in October of last year, we announced our, our, our major partnership with American Express, um, and we're continuing to build more and more partnerships with, with major global financial institutions and others and, and telco players um, to really help them serve this, this newcomer population. So, so really investing in there. Um, and then, you know, I think given, given everything that's, that's happened uh, in the last few weeks, um, the, the capital primarily buys us time, which I think is mm-hmm. really important right now, um, patience to ride this out, um, and also time to invest uh, in long-term strategic growth. Um, so starting to look at several growth areas. And actually, last year, we launched uh, what we're calling a newcomer gateway. So even though our business uh, has been B2B, uh, we now have an offering for consumers on our site where you can get advice on, you know, the best grocery stores. Uh, if you're from uh, uh, from India, for instance, I think we have a bunch of articles um, on that or how to apply for immigration forms or why you need health insurance and what to do about it in the U.S. And, you know, if there are credit products that you need, we can refer you to our partners. And so I'm um, starting to, to scale that out as well. I think that's an excellent idea, by the way. Um, it kind of reminds me of what Stripe did with Atlas, right? Um, Thank providing you. Providing those. Well, it is. It's smart. You're providing I think service. It's, it's both. It's, it's definitely an excellent. You know, I, I think a lot about our innovation in terms of like we're trying to build an ecosystem. Like yeah. effectively what we're doing is we're connecting credit bureaus and data providers all over the world, connecting them to consumers who are trying to get access to credit products and connecting them to those credit products, whether that is financial institutions or landlords um, and so on and so forth. And so um we are trying to sort of build this ecosystem. And so we kind of have to build uh, products and engagement for everyone within that ecosystem. And, and uh, that is exciting, but, and this is a big, but, you know, those are very different sets of muscles, partnership building from sales, from product, um, from building, you know, frankly, just the big distinction between B2B versus direct to consumer. Um, and so balancing those two muscles is, is, is something that um, we shouldn't, we have taken for granted at times of just like, Oh, 
you know, yeah. B2B is so painful doing consumers will be this, this easy world where you just turn on Facebook ads and it's all done. <laughs> and it turns out there's a lot more to it than then. So it's been humbling to say the least. Yeah, I am a, I, I've said this multiple times on multiple podcasts and on stage multiple times and uh, to clients multiple times. I, I do prefer the B2B model. Sure. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, it depends on, on what service you're providing. And, and it really does. B2C is incredibly difficult because like you just said, how do you, let's look at challenger banks, for example, right? Mm -hmm. how, how, are, how are you acquiring customers and what's your CAC? What's your customer acquisition cost for doing that? And how do you, and it's not Facebook ads, right? Um, <laughs> as you know, or, you know, you're going to go viral. Uh, oh, what a horrible term. I, I bet we'll never hear that again. Mm. <laughs> By the but way. that will be a gentle relief for our ears. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Think about yeah. thank God too, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I wonder if our lexicon will change after mm. all this and going viral will no longer be seen as a, a positive mm. thing. Yeah. Um, but 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 it is. I mean, I I love B two C solutions like um, like Tala, right? Mm. And what they're able to do, and I understand that. But I also love the B two B solution that that you have and that you've 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 implemented. Um, but on the flip side of that, that concept of building out an ecosystem and a marketplace and the partners that you align with is massively, massively important to the success of a company like yours. I can't stress that enough. And you think about some of the names that you've not name dropped. <laughs> um, I would have name dropped them. But like you said, with Amer <laughs> like American Express, right? Kleiner Perkins hmm. and some of the other founders. Um, you know, that that is critical to the to the success of, of startup companies like yourself. Mm. And I'll also I, I touched on this, but you know I love that concept of the other services you're providing. Um, it did it. It does remind me of Stripe and Atlas, which mm. is we understand a lot of the challenges you face, and while that's not our our core offering that we do, it makes sense within the ecosystem of of th that you're providing. So it's mm. a it's a really good fit. So well done. I'll I'll say that again. I think that's really smart. How do you decide what country to go into? What's the key driver for that? It's actually um, country. I'd say it's sort of. Two, it's primarily you just look at migrant flows. So, yeah. um, what are the countries that send the most immigrants to the US? And, and that data is publicly available, published by the State Department. So, you know, we refresh it every year and do different cuts of it, and so on and so forth. But it's you know, we basically just have a giant Excel list that's, that spits out a priority. Um, and and then the, the the second part of that is 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 a little bit softer, which is understanding the data quality uh, and the mm -hmm. data that is represented. What actually that means in terms of coverage, because um, you know, let's take a, a spurious example of the country of Moldova. Uh, let's say Moldova sent 10 million people to the U.S. every year, but their credit bureaus only had like a 1% penetration. Well, obviously, then it would, would slip further down the list for us. Um, so trying to understand to the extent that we can both their penetration and the quality of the data. And then, and then lastly, listening to our customers, too, and understanding what is priorities for them and making sure that we're delivering on them. Yeah, data but, quality um, is massive. I would, I'm so glad you went there. The no, for sure. I mean, like, data. I mean, we 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 operate as as a credit bureau in the U.S. We're responsible for the data that we provide. Um, we we have a sort of that that very consumer oriented view of data that they should be able to control it. That should be of the highest quality, and that we should take responsibility for it. And so, um, there are partnerships that we just have to rule out on the basis of the data not being ones that we are comfortable representing. And yeah, and you know that makes sense. And that's a that's a, I would think though that is definitely for. Um, for the type of solution that you're providing, when you talk about multi multiple regions, multiple countries, and and trying to build out that 
that credit profile of a customer, that, that data challenge has to be one of the, the toughest ones you face. Data quality, I think that's a better way of putting it. For sure. I mean, effectively, what, what we are trying to build is, is almost like a language. We're trying to translate all of the world's different credit, et cetera, languages with all of their permutations and, and uh, all of the, the beauty that comes from them into a single universal language um, and build this single global data dictionary and standardization around credit reporting. And that is a, a huge undertaking and one that I, I'm extremely fortunate to say that we're not alone in. So, um, about a year and a half ago, we were joined on our, on our leadership team by um, Sarah Davies, who's our head of risk and analytics. And um, she's just the industry expert and leader on this. She built Vantage Score before this um, and prior to that had, had been uh, at several other banks in, in the credit risk function. And so just just is sort of the, the, the person in the world who can build it because it turned out, uh, you know, some of our, our own initial data mappings were smart assumptions. But at some point you need real expertise and real thought leadership to be able to do that. That is such a good elevator pitch phrase that we're, that we're, no, it really is conceptually, you know, I'm a visual type of guy and conceptually you just saw like a light bulb going on my head when you said that, you know, that you're trying to build that language. A consistent oh, I like one. that. We, we, we've also used the phrase Switzerland of credit bureaus because we are sort of the neutral yeah. aggregator of all the data, but um, we, we haven't played as much with the linguistic ones. So, you know, we're the Esperanto of, uh, yeah. of credit data. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's really, you're the Rosetta Stone. Of, that's, oh, that's really I like good. That. I like that. I like that. the Rosetta Stone. Watch yeah. our watch our rebrand. <laughs> yeah, give give Dion Lyle credit for that. Dion's going to listen to podcasts and go, "That's my line," and he's right. <laughs> but I've, I stole it and I like it. Um, we, we touched on this earlier. We talked about the funding round that you just finished, and obviously, um, you know, you've worked with Kleiner Perkins, which is fantastic. So um, now let's touch on what I think is probably the fun side of that. Um, but also, we can call it the fun side of it. But I do think there's a lot of value in this. You've had big names when it comes to funding. Ashton Kutcher, uh, U2, um, guitarist, The Edge, one of my favorite Mm -hmm. guitarists ever, um, and baseball legend, um, and obviously presidential advisor Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod. How? (laughs) How did you get their attention? I'm curious. Did that come through Kleiner Perkins? Is this just from the, you know, the, the ethos that the company has and who you're trying to address? Well, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think to, to your to your latter question, um, I think the appeal to to um, folks who have many many other things grabbing their attentions and who are major leaders and celebrities in their in their industries um, has been just their commitment uh, to our mission and the fact that they themselves are just um, so excited um, about inspiring and facilitating the flow of human diversity and that they believe in in this type of uh, long term infrastructure build. Uh, to get there, so so that's uh, th- that's been just uh, really uh, weirdly uh, weirdly motivating to see to see sort of people you've looked up to in, in very different spheres of life um, resonating with your model, um, and certainly our entire team um, only cares about them and is, is 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 just trying to orchestrate visits from them to our office, um, and then mechanically to to give credit where it's due, I think um, you know Ashton Kutcher was was um, is a is a brilliant uh, fintech investor and was a was a major catalyst um, for for engaging. Um, other celebrities as well, given um, given how excited he was about our business. Yeah, you're never supposed to give other um, uh, podcasts a shout out when you're doing a podcast. And I seem to break that rule on every podcast that I'm on. So I listened to an interview uh, that Kara Swisher did with Ashton mm. Kutcher. Um, and I found that to be one of the most compelling interviews. I mean, he was incredibly um, um, honest about 
you know, the investments where he did really well and investments where he dropped the ball, right? Or, or he just didn't see it. He couldn't see the market fit. And I've actually listened to that podcast twice. I went back a second time because I thought, wow, that was a really, really good interview um, and a very honest one. And, and I think as a, a, a backer for um, Nova Credit, I, I, I really think he's, a, um, he's really good. He's stellar. Um, he, gets, he gets a thumbs up from Sam Mall. How's that? I know that matters to Ashton <laughs> so much. <laughs> you can let him know. I'm sure that will change everything in his life. But I, I really did. I thought it was a, I was, you know, he's, he's been around the block a few times when it comes to this. And, he, and yeah, he's had some pretty and, good and has success. a real operation around it too. I mean, has an amazing yeah. team um, uh, who uh, have helped us in a number of different areas, um, whether it's more on the marketing strategy or even just some of the, the team and operational shifts that we're making right now. So I think that's just been um, really powerful to, to see him be able to to build something like that. So so big shout out to, to the Sound Ventures team. Oh, good for him um, and, and good for y'all. Um, it's it's a, a, like I was talking about credentializing, a uh, a startup and I, I i did the hand quote thing startups um <laughs> uh, but, but getting that 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 type of funding and getting that backing that that says a lot like i've said about the the founders the people that are within your company and, and the solution you're providing um Thank i'm you. curious and, and i hope is to oh, oh sorry i was just gonna say i, oh. I hope is to learn from this like i think um yeah i think I particularly as we think about reaching consumers how do we do that in a in a innovative and culturally relevant way um, and then how do we learn from their investments in, in other innovative tech companies where, where all of them have, have done a number of those. So really excited for that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know what? You raised a really good point. I'm going off script now. Um, that's a really, but that is when you're going direct to consumer um, and, and you're talking about an immigrant population within the U.S., uh, regionally um, from the countries that are coming. So regionally within the U.S., whether that be urban or rural, um, where they're coming from and what their needs are, that's going to be that's going to be a, a, a very interesting learning for you. Mm. Um, that's a way for me saying challenging but fascinating. Um, mm. I'll, I'll be curious maybe a year from now to check back in with you to see how that's going and what you've learned. I'd love that. Hold you know, we'll me accountable. On, yeah, we'll <laughs> get that on. We'll get that on the schedule because that, that is that's going to be um, good for you for going out and trying to. And going after that, I think that'll be fascinating. Um, overall, I'm really curious. We've read so much about this um, prior to, you know, coming coming out of the, the financial crash in 2008 um, and over the bear market that we've had um, leading up to, say, the past month, um, talking about credit in the U.S. and credit checks and, and you know, the, the model that we've had forever and a day, right, whether we're talking about um, – um, your, you, you know, whatever score you want to go by the three major ones, but, but talking about credit, do you, how do you see that changing? What's the future of, of, of credit and, and credit checks? And, um, I'm gonna give you a second part of that. What's going to be the output coming out of the situation that we're in right now? Do you think that's going to have any impacts to that? Mm. Um, so, so to the first one, I think a lot of, um, our thesis, um, and how we see the long-term, um, is that the consumer credit reporting industry has to and will change. There has Amen. to be more control to consumers. There has to be more of an emphasis on control of data and quality of data. So the ability to, to do more than, frankly, what you can do today, which is just freeze and unfreeze your file and actually understand how your data is being used. And you see this happening um, at, at a regulatory level, you know, things like GDPR, 
Um, but I also think it's, it's changing at an industry level where players are becoming, you know, Discover has a portal for consumers to manage and view their credit data. And I think that's going to become more and more the case um, that, that consumers ownership of data is going to become so much more explicit, especially in a world of, of data proliferation. Um, I think I think the other thing that will happen is there's going to be more and more data sets brought on board. Um, but that what we see it happening today is it's happening typically in markets outside of the US where there is less regulatory control of the data types, both for better and for worse, frankly, because um, a lot of alternative data sets, um, unfortunately, have proved to be uh, discriminatory in a way that that shouldn't and can't be used in lending. But but there is still some exciting innovation happening um, with, with other data sets that are important. Um, so I think, um, you know, my hope is that in using data sets in appropriate ways, you'll be able to bring far more consumers into the credit system than are brought on today and enable them to access the credit products that they deserve. Um, from a from a Nova standpoint, particularly, I think you know the world will grow more and more global. I think you know this crisis reveals how interconnected we are um, and how people do move around the world and, and will continue to do so. And so, I think um, there will be more and more value in having a, a global solution. Um, to, to credit access. Um, in this crisis in particular, it's interesting. I think, um, I think you know, some, of, some of the things we're already seeing already, whether it's uh, you know, new models of funding small, medium businesses and trying to support them at this time, which also will mean that there'll be new models of credit checks and new data supported. And that's definitely one area we're, we're watching very closely and trying to see if we can engage and how to do so. Um, I think a, a second area that, that will change is just, you know, we're in an age where no one wants to interact in person right now. Um, and so how will there be more and more digital onboarding? How can you try and serve everyone? Which I think is, is exciting. Branches are very powerful and important, particularly from a financial inclusion standpoint. And so ensuring that that bastion modernizes and digitizes, which this crisis is kind of forcing us to accelerate as a timeline versus just saying like, oh, we have a channel for the quote unquote everyone else, um, I think is, 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 is compelling. Um, so, so I'm hopeful looking at both those trends. So I'm really excited to see where this year takes you. I really do. What we need to do, and I, I'd love to get into a rhythm of this, when we talk to company founders and we talk to um, organizations like yourself, to go ahead and put in a calendar like a year or a year and a half out and and have you re-listen and, and we re-listen to that episode and then see what happens. That honestly sounds right? terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's a like, great it's like, it's idea, like Nikki. Come on. It's like when, our, when our board members like pull out previous board decks um, <laughs> in the middle of a board meeting. You know nothing good is coming uh, of that. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the best part is you know the path to where you'll be a year and a half from now is, mm. is of course, never where you think it's going to take you, right? You're going to do variations on, you know, your plans of moving into the consumer side and the different markets that you're addressing. And, and again, what comes out of the, the, the end of this, this pandemic, it's going to be fascinating to see that where that goes. Um, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot though, as, as we're getting ready to close out, um, uh, a question you don't know is coming. That's my favorite way to, uh -oh. to surprise somebody, but I, I'm very, I'd be interested in this based on your, your life experience and the work that you've done. Cause I love, I love going out to LinkedIn and seeing somebody with the experience that you've had, meaning, you know, doing the work in, in, in Uganda and Ethiopia and at Bain um, and on the VC side and now as your own startup, the, the wealth of the experience you have, that, that excites me. I'll be hmm. blatantly honest. So here you go. I'm putting you on the spot, Nikki. Best career advice you ever received? I struggle with that generally um, because... Um, because I think it's very hard to give generic advice. Uh, yeah. I think advice is very context dependent. 
Yeah. Um, some pieces that have really stuck with me. I think um, one piece was uh, from my grandmother when I started working at, at Bain. And she sort of, you know, pulled me aside and was like, you know, don't for a moment just think to that because you can, uh, because you now have a completely different job than maybe you did before and you're making a lot more money. I, I was making more money than I've been making before, and you know, that you suddenly need to have nice holidays or a bigger apartment. Um, the most valuable thing you have is freedom um, and think about your finances accordingly. And I think that's been that's been really true for me career-wise is I've, I've really valued freedom. I've really valued the opportunity to do very different things and unexpected things um, for me. Um, and I've, I've solved for that um, rather than necessarily proving something externally. Um, and then I, th I think in terms of other career advice, I am going to take a pause. What else has been really valuable to me? What's your grandmother's um, name, by the way? First name? Um, Athena. So Nana Athena, that's what we did call her down here in the South. That oh, is I call her Nonna, which is the, oh. uh, yeah. Which is, okay. which is close enough. <laughs> that um, is some damn golden advice, Nana. That was, yeah. and, and Nana Athena, oh God, named back to the Greek goddess. <laughs> damn, yeah, exactly. that was good. Yeah, damn. Um, yeah, I feel like it's very easy to be like, don't be, be unafraid. <laughs> yeah, so but, uh, I'll give you mine. It was my mom's. It was put others first, always. Hmm. And why that struck with me is because my mom had multiple sclerosis, was confined to a wheelchair, was legally blind, kidney failure, you know, hmm. basically... We, we were poor, so she sat at the kitchen table by herself about eight to 10 hours a day. And she would tell me to put others first. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? But, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah. I think I think that really resonates for me because I think it's also about um, it's about taking pride in what you do and yeah. and that being on your own terms and your own value system. That's a good one. very easy to get caught up in everyone else's versus your own. Yeah. Um, so it's a good nudge for me today. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I think we all need a nudge today. Nikki, thank you for joining us. I really mean that. All the way from your apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> where where can yeah. people, yeah, you know, that, you know, it looks lovely. I loved it. Um, so where can people find out more about you? Um, best to follow you on Twitter or LinkedIn. And, and what about Nova Credit? Um, Nova Credit, you can find us on NovaCredit.com, uh, at Nova Credit on Twitter, uh, really any channel. And, and we're a small team, which, is mean, we, uh, which means we're extremely responsive um, to any feedback or engagement that people want to send our way. So, so please do keep it coming. Let's be part of the conversation. Perfect. As for me, you can find me at Sam Mall on Twitter. Everybody, thanks for listening. And, and really, um, I, I'll say right now in the times we're living in, um, time's probably your most valuable asset. So thank you for spending time with us. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast, review us on iTunes. We love reading those reviews. We do read those reviews and we respond to those reviews. Pass the podcast along to your friends. If you know someone who loves FinTech, who isn't listening to FinTech Insider, tell them about the show. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcast at 11fs.com. Thank you again so much for listening. Stay safe, everybody.